the world's favorite tax collector who became a follower of Jesus. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through 28 days of Matthew. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. We're in Matthew 11. So uh, Matthew 1 through 4 was kind of the, the beginning of Jesus, the genealogy, the calling of Jesus. Uh, and then 5, 6, and 7 was the Sermon on the Mount. And then uh, 8 and 9 was the teachings and the miracles of Jesus, basically the power of Jesus. Uh, 10, Matthew 10 uh, was sending out the disciples to go and then uh, heal and cast out demons themselves. And now we're in Matthew 11. And in Matthew 11, we're going to just not really talk about Jesus so much as we are going to talk about kind of some of the historical stuff. Matthew adds in a little bit of historical stuff, but also has some interaction with Jesus as far as the historical record goes. Because today's record is an historical event, a historical fact. Um, and so I think Matthew brings that fact in just to say, hey, this is kind of what was going on. Um, and so we're going to find out what it was that was going on that Matthew was talking about. So we are in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. And this is a rather long section. Uh, so uh, it's not going to be short. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the town of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and of sinners. But wisdom is provided right by her deeds. Wow, so it's a long section there. But basically, we're talking about the historical John the Baptist. And we know from records 
uh, outside of biblical records that there was a John the Baptist. He was in Herod's court. Uh, he was uh, beheaded by Herod um, for his zealotry for, uh, I mean, you will get into that. You could get into that story later, but basically he was beheaded by, by Herod. Um, so this is a historical account. And the, the important part of this whole entire message is this interaction between the disciples of Jesus, the disciples of John the Baptist and Jesus. So uh, Herod had John the Baptist arrested and put in prison. And now Jesus is teaching all throughout, like he's in Galilee and he's teaching. And John the Baptist hears that uh, Jesus is teaching and that John the Baptist is in prison. Uh, waiting to be judged, sentenced, uh, and eventually executed. Uh, he may not know that at this point. Well, he probably suspected it. And um, he sends a message to Jesus to say, hey, wait a minute, um, I'm in prison. Why don't you come rescue me from prison? Um, when I was in seminary, uh, in one of the classes that I took, it was a pastoral formation class. When you go to seminary, um, there are a lot of people that go to seminary for a lot of different reasons. And um, one of the things that happens when you're in seminary is uh, a lot of guys go to seminary thinking um, that we're special, right? We're, we're pastors, we've been called into this ministry. We're a, we're a cut above everybody else. We're holy people. Um, you know, all these, these delusions that, that we have when we go to seminary. Um, and so pastoral formation classes are these classes that they give you to say, you know, you're really uh, no better than anybody else. As a matter of fact, uh, you're probably shackled to the word of God more than other people, um, that you're not special, uh, that you're, you're now in the service of Jesus as a humble servant in the service of Jesus. I mean, all these different things. And, and so they, uh, so they, uh, have different things that they teach you, but um, I remember in one of the classes towards the end of the semester, the teacher that was teaching the class uh, showed a video of a sermon on this particular uh, gospel lesson, the, the, the gospel lesson of John being in prison. And I still remember this sermon. It was a guy named Erwin McManus. Now, Erwin McManus is a guy that was very, very popular uh, in in uh, California a number of years ago, probably 25, 25 years ago. Uh, he was called to be the pastor of like downtown First Baptist Church uh, in, in California, Los Angeles. And, um, and so he was called to this church and uh, he noticed, I mean, one of the things that you do when you're a pastor, right, is you look and then you say, okay, why has God planted this church here? Why does this church exist in this particular location? You look around at the people, the culture around you, and you say, what are the gifts and benefits or what do they need? And what Erwin McManus did, which was incredible, is that he looked around and he saw that uh, he was surrounded by people who were in the film industry, uh, musicians, writers, uh, cinema photographers, and all that sort of thing. And what he realized was that if he really wanted to spread the gospel to that culture, to those people, they expected an incredibly high uh, level of uh, presentation of the gospel that, that this church currently wasn't doing. So he, he kind of 
started, you know, um, befriending these people and say, hey, I'd like to make a movie. And he made a small little movie clip of three or four minutes, you know, and he showed that in church. Um, and he started, you know, doing uh, church a little bit different with the talent that he had within the area that he had. And his church just started growing like crazy. Um, I mean, I can't remember the numbers, but I mean, thousands of people would uh, show up because uh, they were presenting the gospel in new ways that really connected to the culture that was around them because they were all people highly connected to the film industry when Irwin started presenting the gospel in a language that spoke to the film industry it uh it just resonated very very deeply and i so he was the guy so that's an aside but he was the guy that preached the sermon and uh he was uh sitting you know up there um talking about um this pericopes, this, this little lesson from, from the gospel of uh, Matthew. And basically what he presented was, uh, and it spoke to all of us pastors deeply, is that, you know, nobody is so special that, um, that Jesus is going to spring him from prison, right? So here you have John the Baptist and Jesus, cousins. John was the forerunner of Jesus. John proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah. John did all that and now he's in prison. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus saying, hey, I'm in prison, spring me out. And basically what Jesus says to him is, no, I'm not going to spring you out. Here's what you need to tell John. Tell him that the dead are raised, that the, the blind see, the deaf hear, um, the people are healed. I am doing the ministry that I am called to do, but I'm not going to spring you from prison. You came and you did what God called you to do. You were the forerunner of me. There's no greater person, uh, no greater prophet than you. Uh, I will make sure that your name is remembered throughout history, but no, I'm not going to spring you from prison. The, the thing that God called you to do is now done. Uh, and now uh, you're going to basically die in prison, uh, having done the work that God sent you to do, um, because that is complete. I'm a sovereign God. Uh, there's a plan, and the plan is uh, that you came and you did the things you needed to do, but now the plan is that you need to die in prison, because I need you to do that. Um, I need you to be strong in your faith. I need you to die in prison, and I need you to die so that I might increase, so that my word might increase, so that my ministry might increase. And it must have been a horribly difficult lesson for John the Baptist to hear this from Jesus. He was sending his disciples to say, hey, I'm here in prison. Uh, you need to spring me from prison. You need to come and start you know, manifesting your, your muscle here to fight Herod, to show that uh, you're more powerful than he is and spring me out of prison. And Jesus is like, no, because my kingdom is not that type of kingdom. I'm not going to spring you from prison. I'm not going to fight Herod for you. I'm starting a new kingdom. And you were the forerunner for this. But now your work is complete. And, and I remember hearing this sermon thinking, you know, it really had a very powerful, profound impact on me because um, God's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, once you're in the service of the kingdom, you need to do what God's called you to do. And then at some point when that work is complete, if God is now going to call you home, then it's time for him to call you home. Uh, he's got a plan. He's got a mission. And you've got a part of that mission. 
but your part in that mission is subservient to a king who has a plan for the whole entire mission. And none of us are so special, not even John the Baptist, are so special, you know, so called in our, in our little world that God's going to treat us any differently or do anything special for us. Um, we're all in servant. We're all in service to the king. We're all shackled to the king. And our work is to serve the king at his pleasure, uh, the way he's called us to do the work of his kingdom. And when that work is complete, then he very well will likely call us home. Um, and that was a very, very profound, powerful lesson for me. And it's a lesson for all of us because uh, none of us are so special that God is going to protect us necessarily from all the bad things and the evil things that can happen in life. Um, we are all in service to the King. Uh, and many of you in your life have had some pretty um, harrowing, nasty, horrible things happen in your life. Um, and uh, this passage can be one of comfort to you because when something really, really bad happens in your life, let's say a spouse dies or, a, or someone young in your family dies uh, or, or there's a, a pandemic uh, and you're the one that's on the short end of the pandemic, uh, you're like the one that dies and everybody prays, you know, um, you know, this person's in the hospital and Lord, please protect them um, from the pandemic. Lord, we have this special relationship. Um, there are times when God's going to say to you, no, I'm going to let this person die of the pandemic because in the big picture, the way that I'm running this world and I'm a sovereign God, that is the way I want things to go. And, uh, and God didn't even spare John the Baptist. And so uh, when we pray and we call out to God, there are times when he does listen to our prayer. I mean, you remember the, the persistent widow that goes to the judge and says, judge, I need my justice, I need my justice, I need my justice. And Jesus says, um, you know, God does hear our prayers. And sometimes if we're the persistent widow, God will relent and give us what we're asking for. Um, but in the big picture of God doing his sovereign stuff in the universe, uh, he does what he wants to do. And uh, our prayers, he does listen to them. Sometimes he bends his, his will to what we're asking for and what we're praying for, but ultimately God is in charge. It's that second petition of the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. And, um, and this is a powerful way to drive home that message that it's not our will, it's his will. And we pray for his will to be done in our lives. And the great blessing of our life is that we get to be part of his will. That no matter what we've done in this life, uh, when you are in the kingdom and you are part of the kingdom and the king has called you to be in the kingdom and he is working his will in your life and the world around you, you are part of a bigger picture that is much more magnificent and glorious than something you could ever, ever imagine. So John, yeah, he didn't get sprung from prison, but he was part of a wonderful, wonderful plan that God had to bring his son into the world to redeem mankind and create a new kingdom. And John was a part of that, and his name went down in history as being a part of that. And when John died, when he was beheaded, he was immediately in the arms of Jesus. Uh, he was immediately in a better place. Uh, he was immediately then able to see the great plan that God had for all mankind and his part of the plan, but no, Jesus didn't spring him from prison. Uh, he, he ended up dying there. And that's a hard lesson, but it's an important lesson for all of us. 
So, uh, and I remember that. I remember that sermon from Erwin McManus. Erwin McManus. He, uh, the name of the church uh, is called a Mosaic Church. They, uh, they changed the name from First Baptist to Mosaic Church to kind of attract um, all of these people who were uh, people who were in the film industry. And uh, it was really, it's an amazing story. I think they're still around. I don't, I, I should look. I should look at some of these things before. Um, probably not. It's been a long time ago. But Erwin McManus. All right. So now we're going to go on. That was, that was verses 1 through 19. Now we're going to go on to verse 20. Let's see. Am I still recording? Any emails? Okay. So now we're on um, verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed. So remember, uh, in uh, verses nine and, uh, 8 and 9, Jesus went out and performed miracles. That was the showing the power of God. And so he went and did these miracles. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Uh, Bethsaida is um, uh, Peter and Andrew, right? That's where they were born, was in Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloths and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Caper Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to the Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, that will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So Jesus uh, is going around um, doing all these miracles and saying, uh, the kingdom of heaven is near. Change your ways, right? Um, uh, change the way of your thinking. Come to your senses. And they don't. They continue on the same path as before Jesus had come. He's showing all these miracles. He's showing all these things, and they don't change. And this is an important lesson, too. Um, why do people, when they see the incredible power of God, why is it that they don't necessarily change their behavior? If you uh, saw a miracle, right? If, <clears throat> if somebody you love gets coronavirus and they're pronounced dead, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a prayer over them and they're raised from the dead and the doctors are like, no, they weren't really dead and all that sort of thing. But you know in your heart that for some reason God did this wonderful miracle and you start spreading, you know, this, this happened, this is a wonderful thing. Um, and you would expect that people would change their behavior because of this incredible miracle. And what this shows us is that people don't necessarily change their behavior because of the power of God, right? There's, this, there's that parable where Jesus, um, where there's the rich man and Lazarus and they're both in hell and it's like, hey, I want to, I want to send, uh, I need to send message back to my brothers and sisters because they need to hear all of these things that's going to happen to them when they die. And Jesus said, even if, if the Son of Man does a miracle uh, in front of them, they're going to believe. You know, people get addicted to the things they get addicted to and they don't change their behavior because of the miracles. It, the change of the behavior has to happen the change that happens in a person's life has to happen deep within. There has to be a change of heart. There has to be a change of purpose. There has to be a change in your 
understanding of who God is and what God is. And sometimes a miracle can happen, but most of the times people are so stuck in their ways that they have a very, very difficult time of changing. Um, like one of the most uh, addictive drugs that we have, like heroin and cocaine and methamphetamines, um, uh, alcohol and nicotine, right? I mean, the five most addictive things that we have in this world. And yet it is so hard to change because once you're addicted to these things, uh, it takes an incredible power or force to help save you from these addictions, right? I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever met anybody that's addicted to some of these amazingly addictive drugs, but you can pray and you can work and you can do all the things that you want to to try to help people um, get their addiction, uh, you know, get freed from their addiction. And, and it just based upon their own, their own things going on in their life, it is very, 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 some people do, but for most people, it's very difficult. What, what we've seen time and time again is that you need the power of God in your life to help you uh, fight these addictions, right? You need the Holy Spirit. You need to pray and cling to the power of the Holy Spirit and ask you, Lord, help me from these addictions. Um, and even the 12-step process, right? Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, that whole process. Uh, I know one of the first or second steps in that 12-step program is to help, you know, to cling to a higher power to help you to help you get through these addictions um, because they're so powerful in a person's life. Once these things take a hold in your life, it is very, very difficult to change. And that's basically what this is. You know, Jesus goes and does miracles for crying out loud in people's lives. Says the repent, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is, is at hand. Come to your senses, see life in a different world. Come be a part of my kingdom. Come follow me. Be be the person, be the human that God has created you to be. And they don't do it. They simply don't do it. They're too much in love with the life that they have. It's like the rich uh, young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, "What must I do?" And he says, "Well, love your neighbor, love yourself, because I do these things from from birth." And Jesus says, well, then come follow me. And the rich young ruler can't do it because it is too difficult of a task. Um, so uh, the kingdom, the kingdom, the one of which we're all part of, um, living in the kingdom and living as a child of the king is letting the king, his words, his life, his spirit dwell in you to such a point that you are so happy about being in the kingdom and so in love with the king and so much uh, excited about what the king has to offer and what he's called you to do and all those things. It is worth more than all the gold and silver in the world. And yet so many people are just addicted to their old way and their old life and the old things that they never let the growth happen. Remember, there's two parts to, to uh, being saved, right? The first part is justification, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You will live with him forever, right? That's the justification part. There's nothing that you have to do for that. But the sanctification part is living the life that the king has for you to offer. It's like, here's, here's scripture, here's God's word, here are things that you could do to live an incredible life as part of the kingdom and you'll grow in your faith and you'll, and you'll grow uh, in your relationship to other people. You'll grow in the relationship to the world. You'll be my hands and feet in the world and your tree roots will grow deep and you'll see me in new and exciting ways. And yet we just don't really want to do that, right? We resist that. 
Um, and God's willing to help us, right, in that way. But uh, so many times, and you know, we're all guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. There are things that I like in my old life, my old self, that um, are very, very hard for me to give up. Um, and yet my prayer is, uh, Lord, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and God's power is there to help us in that struggle, help us in our faith journey. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is pretty upset here. It's like if I'd have done these things in, in Tyre and Sidon, if I'd have done these things in Sodom, they would have repented. They would have seen it. But, but people are just too addicted. We're too addicted to our old self, our old Adam. It's hard sometimes, the things we're, we're old Adam addicted to. Um, but Jesus is there ready for us. All right, we're going to go on. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus says, uh, you know, these things are not hard to find, right? The, the way of life uh, in the Didache, right? This writing of the, of the apostles, of, it has two ways to live, the way of life and the way of death. And the way of life is letting the Holy Spirit come and live in you and guide you and, and show you the way of life, right? You live holy things. You, you live peaceable, wonderful. The, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all these things that God fills you. And that is the way of life. Um, and this is, this is what we're called to is the way of life. And it's not that hard. It's basically just putting off the old self, coming to your senses and living with the new self. And these are the things that, uh, you know, little children can understand, right? Because little children, um, they're not addicted to, to the things of the world, right? They're not addicted to power and fame and, uh, you know, prestige and all the things that we get addicted to uh, that cause us to go all sorts of horrible places, right? They, you know, the, the only thing a child wants in life is that mommy and daddy are there. I mean, the greatest day of a child's life is, right, a three-year-old is when mommy's on one side and daddy's on the other side and they have hold hands and they get, and mommy and daddy are swinging them, right? Like what could possibly ever go wrong in a child's life knowing that they're completely loved by mommy and daddy, that mommy and daddy give them their full attention? These are little things that, these are things that children understand. And these are things that we can do, right? We can walk alongside God and, and know that he's holding our hand and what could possibly ever go wrong when you're in the kingdom? Um, these are easy things to understand, and yet our addictions, the things that are, that are holding us back from living the life that God has, it's just they're so powerful. Um, you know, the wise and the learned, um, they sometimes struggle with it, but a little child, a little child just understands. And if we, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. If we, just, if we just live the life that God has for us, loving Him, knowing He loves us, um, it's a great life. No one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father. Um, you know, the only way to the Father is the way of, of life that Jesus, that Jesus came.
came to earth to reveal and to die for and to rise for so that we could be in the kingdom. And we are in the kingdom. It's, it's the king, the, the guy, the creator of the universe. We're his precious child. Um, Come to me who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The, in the, at the time, you know, a lot of the labor that was done was by oxen. And uh, you would have this yoke that would bind two oxen together. And, uh, and Jesus is the strong ox in our relationship, right? We're bound together by a yoke with Jesus. And because he is the one that fights all the battles with us, the Holy Spirit is living in our life. Um, when we get to a battleground and we need help, we just call out to the other stronger ox that we're yoked to and say, God, help me. And he's there and he helps us through the battles of life. He gives us strength for the journey. Um, and when we let him take that yoke upon him and we're yoked to him, our burden becomes light. Uh, our burden becomes lessened because he is the stronger burden. And uh, it's a wonderful lesson. Um, there's, you can uh, see devotions on this all the time um, about how when these, these oxen were, you know, sometimes they would put a, a, a new ox with an experienced ox and that experienced ox would take pretty much the whole entire burden and the other one is sitting there until he learned the ways and then he would pick up and then they would go uh, and plow the fields together. And um, we are plowing fields. We are plowing many, many fields in life uh, with Jesus by our side. And he is the one that helps us in plowing the fields. He's the one that helps us in the, the life that we have to live. He's the one that helps us in our addictions to the old Adam. He's the one that, that gives us everything we would possibly ever want for living. That's Jesus. That is the king. Um, so uh, it, is, um, it is probably an appropriate time to close. Uh, thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, if you like this, like the video, like our Facebook page. Um, the more people that like and watch and all that sort of thing, if you want to send it to your friends and say, hey, watch this. Um, at some point, I don't know when and I don't know how and I don't know why, but at some point, the more people that get engaged with our page, the, the higher standing we get in feeds and all that sort of thing. So send it around. Um, but more importantly, keep yourself safe. Keep your social distancing going. If you go outside, wear your mask. Uh, keep everyone in your prayers. Uh, you are in my prayers. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we will continue today. Uh, so tomorrow is Friday. We'll do one on Friday. Saturday, I'll do a live one. Sunday at 8 o'clock, I will post a video on YouTube that I'll have pre-recorded so you can have a Bible study on Sunday. And that will we'll keep our 28 days all the way through Matthew. And hopefully we'll finish about the same time that we're getting out of quarantine, right? Now, maybe not. <laughs> All right, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, um, you have called us to live in your kingdom. You've called us to be your precious child. Um, you showed us that you are the king by your miracles. And Lord, we pray your presence in our life, in our world, in our community. Help us to get through this, um, this pandemic and uh, fill us with your life and your hope because you are the one that we are yoked to, and because we are, the burden is light. This we thank and praise you, Lord, in your name.